you know, we have stuff for the head, the intellectual curiosity, the, the lifelong learning, the imagination, the life of the mind. We have stuff for the hands, like the makerspace I just talked about. Um, certainly we have information on health and people are able to use the library to uh, hold workshops on health related issues. And then, you know, at the heart of it all is this idea that we need a, a place where we can all be and where we can all learn and grow and, and be together. And that's the public library. We have a, I think a once in a generation opportunity to create a, a sustainable and thriving library system uh, for now and for decades to come and beyond through this library district. So it's a way of, I think, thinking ahead and investing in the future of Boulder. Hello, Boulder and the wider world. This is the Sharing Boulder podcast. My name is Philip Ogren, and for episode 21, I spoke with Sam Fuqua about the proposed library district for the Boulder Public Library System. Sam Fuqua was a member of the Boulder Library Commission for five years, was an elected member of the BVSD School Board of Education for eight years, and worked at KGNU for 20 years as news director and station manager. He is now helping with an organization called the Boulder Library Champions, which is spearheading an effort to change the governance of the library to a library district model. This is a common way that libraries are governed and funded in Colorado. The proposed library district will be a new district that encompasses the city of Boulder, Gun Barrel, Niwot, El Dorado Springs, among other areas of Boulder County that are adjacent to the city, including areas to the west such as Sunshine Canyon and Jamestown. The library system is currently funded by the city of Boulder's general budget which is subject to the fluctuations of a revenue model that is based on sales tax. And so the library's budget must continuously compete with other city departments every year. In contrast, the library district will be funded by a new property tax that will provide a more stable funding model with increased funds to provide better staffing, services, and facilities. After the interview was over, Sam expressed concern that many of the details of the proposed library district have yet to be finalized and may still change substantially between now and when we vote on the tax increase in November. For the latest developments on the library district proposal, please visit boulderlibrarychampions.org. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Sam Fuqua and that you will consider supporting our great library system here in Boulder. Hi, Sam. Welcome to Sharing Boulder. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast today. Do you mind introducing yourself? Not at all, Philip. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Uh, my name is Sam Fuqua. I am a uh, thirty-year, thirty-one-year resident of Boulder. Moved here in 1991, and uh, some people, if they recognize the name, it's probably because either of KGNU, where I worked for twenty years uh, on the staff as the news director and then the station manager. Or it may be because I was uh, an elected member of the Boulder Valley School District's board, the Board of Education here in Boulder for eight years. Did that from 2011 to 2019. Um, but why I'm speaking to you today is I'm a lifelong lover of libraries and part of a group called the Boulder Library Champions, which is working to promote the formation of a library district for our library system. Well, thank you for all your service to the community. I really appreciate it. You mentioned uh, when we were talking beforehand that you have a podcast. Do you want to just Oh, yeah, yeah. So one of the things I'm doing now is I do a podcast called Well, That Went Sideways, which <clears throat> explores conflict resolution broadly defined. You know, we have many areas of conflict in our lives uh, or potential conflict. And so we try to talk, talk to a broad cross-section, very diverse group of guests about different areas of conflict and how we think about them, how we talk about them and how we try to, to work through conflict. So if you, it's, a, it's on the web at sidewayspod.org or on all your podcast streaming platforms. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> right. Well, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes so that people okay. can uh, can find it easily. Appreciate uh, that's, it. that's great. That sounds interesting. Um, okay, well, we're here today because the uh, the library has been in the local news a lot. Uh, there's a proposal to to create a, a library district. Uh, and so we want to kind of dive in and un untang untangle what, what all that means so, so that people feel informed about it. Uh, but maybe we should just start off by, uh, you know, maybe give us a brief state of the state of, of, of Boulder's library system as it is now and, and what we love about it and what's, what's, what needs changing. Yeah, well, there's a lot to love about it. And one thing I should have said at the top is I also was a member of the Library Commission in Boulder. Um, from 2007 to 2012. And so that's when I got particularly sensitized to the funding challenges of the library system and the uh, the idea that a district model would be much more sustainable. But uh, the library is, in a nutshell, has been asked to do more with less for many years. And this goes back to when I was on the Library Commission um, and even before that, the uh it's part of i think a larger problem with the city budget that the uh the cost to provide services in our city has been rising faster than the revenues and this has been going on for 20 years and creates some really challenging budget problems for the city uh the library as late as 2019 was operating at essentially 2002 funding levels and the staffing has been flat or declining, depending on what analysis you read, for 20 years. And you know the, the library is about 3% of the city's budget. But for example, just during the COVID budget crisis, uh, the library took 20% of the permanent cuts. So uh, in a general fund budget model that's dependent on sales tax revenue that goes up and goes down with fluctuations in the economy, whether it's a recession or a pandemic, um, when it goes down, the library is, uh, you know, first on the chopping block. And and in, at one level, that's understandable when you're asking the library to compete with essential city, city services like snow the fire plowing, yeah. yeah, snow plowing, you know that the library is going to be cut. But I, I guess I, I, I switched the question around there. Philip, I talked about the problem before I talked uh, about the greatness of the library system. Yeah, let's praise the library for a minute. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, we've got uh, demand for materials going up, attendance at programs going up, uh, and and it is uh, it is a true twenty first century library. There are the books, of course, that everybody knows uh, libraries for, and the books will always be there. The pleasure of reading a book uh, has not gone away for. I think for, for most of us, some of us may read them on tablets now, and the library has a very active and popular uh, ebook checkout system. So if you're not a physical book reader anymore, I, for example, got a Kindle when my eyesight started to get worse, and I like that I can increase the font on the Kindle, it makes it easier to read. Library offers both those methods of uh, book reading as well as audio books. Uh, it has an incredible children's program. You know, you can go to the children's library at, at Maine or one of the, the smaller branch libraries, and there's always uh, excited kids in there with their parents, you know, checking out stacks of books. This is one of my memories as a child going to my local library where I grew up with my mom and coming away with a stack of books and how exciting that is to be uh, engaged in and introduced to reading. Uh, we are so blessed to have a a very high quality children's library program uh, in our system. The in-person uh, librarians reading stories, the story time, which they very creatively moved online during the pandemic. They've been doing that in person again, and it's wonderful to, to go into the main library and see a story time in process. So that's another thing that I think our library does really well. We also serve our, our, our homebound uh, seniors with home delivery of books convenient way for them to get books from the library when they can't, you know, get down to the library themselves. Uh, we have wonderful programs uh, in the Canyon Auditorium on the uh, north side of the main library, music, dance, film, a great cultural resource for the community. 
we have had for, gosh, over 35 years, uh, an incredible adult literacy program called Boulder Reads, where folks um, who may be learning English uh, as a second language and folks who grew up uh, here in America speaking English, but never for various reasons quite learned to read very well. Uh, this is an, a program for adults who are paired with with buddies, with tutors, uh, with folks who can help them improve their literacy skills. It's been going on for, like I said, over 35 years and you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of our community members have benefited from that program. Um, so uh, other things that I think the library is doing really well include the maker space that's uh, relatively new just in the past few years. They took uh, what had been a kind of behind the scenes workspace uh, behind the auditorium there uh, at the main library. And they created building 61, which is this incredible community resource where you can go, uh, you know, you can learn how to sew and use their sewing machines. You, if you wanna learn how to woodwork or you're a woodworker, but you don't necessarily wanna invest in some of the, the more expensive or specialty equipment, you can go there and do woodworking. Uh, I'm, I just signed up for a welding class because I have a little project at my house where I need to do some welding. I don't know how to do that, but I'm gonna learn at the, at the Building 61 Makerspace. Uh, and it's, it's all free, you know? And, and I think at the, at the bedrock of why I love the library is, is because of that, Philip, um, because it's one of these, I think, essential free public services that a democratic society needs to, uh, to maintain, uh, I think, a level of support for what I think of as the common good. You know, the library is free and accessible to everybody. You know, whether you're someone um, who, who has no money, maybe unhoused, someone who is a multimillionaire, the library is open to you and, and there to serve you with, you know, with all the great programs I just talked about and, and several more that uh, we could talk about as well. So that's, I think that's one of the, that's what the library is doing really well, just being a free resource for the entire community. I was, you know, I just was reading something about 4-H, uh, you know, that it's a youth development program, tends to be okay. focused on yep. rural areas. Have you heard of 4-H? And they, they have this thing like, it's four H's on a clover and it's uh, health, hands, head, and heart. And and I love that, and I think the library has all that. You know, we have we have uh, stuff for the head, the intellectual curiosity, the the lifelong learning, the imagination, the life of the mind. We have stuff for the hands, like the makerspace I just talked about. Um, certainly, we have information on health, and people are able to use the library to uh, hold workshops on health-related issues. And then, you know, at the heart of it all is this idea that we need a, a place where we can all be and where we can all learn and grow and and be together and that's the public library so that's i was so thinking cool. about gosh i wish 4-h <laughs> we could adopt that somehow as a library slogan you know i love it yeah well i i can tell you love the library man <laughs> yeah i do that's awesome well i do too i i um do you I, use the library uh i lately like during the pandemic i haven't used it so much but um it does have this one particular use case for me that I that I find helpful is and when I need to print something because I don't have a printer, and uh, I'm just so thankful that I've got a, a library within walking distance of my house that I can go down and get something printed. Um, I yeah. I'm kind of blown away by all the programs you just rattled off because I didn't know about them. I'm. Um, it make it makes me feel proud to know we have like a literacy program for adults. Um, at, at the library, um, it it reminds me of uh, Intercambio, which is a which is a program for teaching English to to um, English teachers. I used to I used to volunteer with them. Uh, program. Fa fantastic program, um, and and uh, the 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 thing about the building sixty one or area 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 building sixty one. Um, I didn't know about that either. That that is a, a something I'd like to know more about because. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know how to do. Like, I, I can imagine maybe, uh, do they ever have a class for like soldering electronics? Like I sometimes yeah. have 
Yeah, they do. And and I should say, uh, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to be out, but going on right now, and I think continuing into March at least, the the gallery space in it's called the Canyon Gallery. So it's that space when you walk into the main library on the uh, on the north side, you know, where the auditorium is. There's that gallery. There's an exhibit right now that is all things that were made uh, entirely or in part in that makerspace, Building 61. Oh, so you nice. can go and see, like, this really, I just went uh, last week, fabulous, you know, wood creations, textile creations, uh, use of metal and glass and other materials. I mean, it's, it's amazing, and it kind of can give you a sense of... Uh, what you can create in that space. So I, I, I encourage everybody to That's check cool. that out. Well, and they have such great um, uh, gallery space too for, yeah. for art. And I've, I've gone through there many times and just been blown away and really emotionally impacted by what, what's been on display there in the art gallery. Um, and of course, um, you know, the downtown branch is such a special place architecturally and the way it fits in with the creek and the whole uh, surrounding, you know, civic area down there. Um, just what a beautiful civic space to for people to gather and to, yeah. I know, and I and it is one of the most popular places downtown. So if we're interested in supporting the downtown core, I think supporting the library is is a critical piece of that. I, I like you have not gone down to the library nearly as much during the pandemic, but, um, but every time I go in, I just feel good. Uh, and particularly if you, if you go upstairs to the second story, there was a, a renovation about, I guess it's five, six years ago, something like that now that really uh, opened up that second floor. So that beautiful uh, glass uh, design at the top is really showcased. You walk up those stairs and you oh, just nice. go, oh my God, the light and the open. I don't think I don't think I've seen that. I've actually used yeah. the um the Meadows branch and the George Reynolds branches a lot more because um they've just been in in, in near where I've lived. Um yeah. and I think one reason I maybe go a little less is because my kids aren't really at that sort of magical age of like six to eleven anymore. Um, and uh, so we don't, I don't take my kids to libraries often, but um, one, one thing I remember about the George Reynolds branch is that there was always things going on there too. Um, not necessarily run by the library, but you know, uh, community space that other people, other organizations would come in and yeah. do, do whatever they do. And I mean, what a, what a gift to the community to have spaces like that yeah well thank you for mentioning that because that's another piece of what i think the library does really well it, it opens its doors and makes its meeting spaces available to members of the community you could walk into the branches or the main any given day or evening and people could be meeting about all manner of things and that's something that is in short supply in our community i think is public meeting space and so the library plays a crucial role there i know that you know, I've lived up in North Boulder uh, for 30 years, and we have lacked uh, much in the way of public space. Uh, we do have a little corner branch there at Yarmouth and North Broadway uh, that's been really successful and highly used, even though it's tiny. Uh, and we are enthusiastic about the fact that uh, there is a full community center North Boulder branch coming you know, that will have some meeting space as well as all the the resources for the community. There'll be, you know, internet access. That that space where the North Boulder branch is to be built is adjoins uh, Boulder Meadows, the city's largest mobile home park. Uh, we know that there are kids who who need a place to come and study, who need internet access, and super excited about you know that that possibility up in my neighborhood. That's awesome. Well, I hope that all, uh, hope that all transpires soon. Yeah. Well, um, with a, with a library district, it will. The what, yeah. the issue now within the city has been there's money to build this North Boulder branch, and the land was donated like in the '90s for it, uh, and now there's money to construct it. But as we come back to my point about the city budget up and ups and downs and the cuts to the library budget, 
uh, we're struggling to find the money to operate it under this, you know, municipal general fund budget model. So with the library district, uh, not only can we provide full service at main library and the existing Reynolds and Meadows branches, but we can also uh, reopen Carnegie library whose hours have been sharply curtailed due to budget concerns. That's our repository of Boulder history. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you yeah. before we dove into the district to maybe just highlight the, the Carnegie branch and uh, explain what that is. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's that is the original library, public library of Boulder, uh, a guy named Andrew Carnegie, who was a steel magnate, you know, uh, one of the uh, very, very wealthy uh, men who who built infrastructure in the country and uh, made tons of money off of it in the 19th century. He had a program where he would give money to create public libraries in cities across the country. And so that's called the Carnegie Library because he donated the money. But as the uh, as Boulder grew and they developed a, you know, a main library and later other branches that became just focused on the history of Boulder. And it really is the place where the history of Boulder is maintained. We're, we're really fortunate to have just, just a little ways away, the Museum of Boulder, our relatively new historical museum for our community, but we also have a, a real treasure in Carnegie where there are archives about, uh, you know, all the people and the events that, that made this city for better and for worse. Uh, it's, it's all there at Carnegie and, and we really haven't had the money within the library system to offer much public access to that. It's not like completely closed, but it's, it's kind of a, well, that, that, uh, a place like that is super important to the identity of a city. I know that I was, I was politically involved with the, uh, the Bedrooms Are for People campaign, mm -hmm. and uh, Eric Budd and others uh, were uh, trying to figure out just exactly how the occupancy rules came about, uh, and, you know, when, when they were, uh, what, what the context was that, that, they, that those came about in, and um, actually just understanding what year they they were implemented and so um that library has those kinds of answers available uh you can go through the newspapers i'm not sure if they're on microfiche or if they're all digital or yeah or, or how those are accessible but um you know that that you can't you can't look up the daily camera issue you know editions from 1970 for example uh it on the internet, you know, just from your laptop. Uh, it, that's something where you, you go, uh, as far as I know, um, that's something where you, you go to the Carnegie, Carnegie uh, branch and and do the research there. So uh, hopefully that'll expand so that, you know, you can get more of that information online, but, but it still requires, you know, like a staff and a yeah. place where that all happens. So cool. Yeah, that's Carnegie. And, uh, and I, you know, when we're, we're, hopeful that with the passage of the library district, we can fully fund the new branch in North Boulder and also in the plan uh, with sustainable funding under the library district would be a, a, a branch in Gun Barrel, a small branch initially out, out in Gun Barrel because that's a part of the city that that doesn't currently have- uh, That's underserved. For... Library service, yeah. Cool. Well. Hey, let's uh, let's dive into the library district that's been in the news a fair bit, and I keep seeing it in my Twitter feed. And yeah, <laughs> uh, I've I've read an article or two, but let's just assume that uh, you know, let, give give me an introduction to to the library district proposal and what we why how it works yeah, so and why we need it. Um, I think I've talked I talked initially about the current model, the general fund, the ups and downs of sales tax revenue, and the the fact that the library has to compete. Uh, with other essential city services. So uh, the district model is the, is the model that uh, most of the larger library systems in Colorado have moved to. It's a very popular model around the country as well, but you know, in Fort Collins and Larimer County, they developed the Larimer County Library District. They have a library district in Pueblo. Douglas County has a very good library district, um, as does Adams County, the uh, I think it's called the Rangeview Library District. It's better known as the Anything Libraries. All these are districts which are uh, 
a, a, a independent entity uh, created by whatever boundary the uh, local government and voters approve. And within that boundary, people are assessed a specific mill uh, in their property taxes that funds the library district and only the library district. So it's a sustainable, dedicated source of funding. The uh, governance model is independent from the municipality and the county, but not completely. So for example, the uh, Boulder City Council would appoint the trustees of the Boulder Library District should voters approve that. So there's still a connection to the municipal government in that way through the appointment of the trustees, but the trustees then operate independently and are the governing body of, of the library district. They are accountable, however, through the, through the city council and their appointments. Uh, the, the other key piece of, uh, of the, this library district proposal is that it expands out beyond just the, the city limits of Boulder. Uh, about that was, a third- That was my first question is, yeah. what, what's, the, the, boundary? what's the boundary? Yeah. yeah, so, and the boundary is still, you know, the details of the boundary could still change as the city of Boulder and Boulder County uh, negotiate that. There's, you know, there's a, uh, as we're recording this, there was a city council study session uh, last week about this and some of the unresolved issues around that included the uh, what the formal boundaries of the library district will be and you know the county commissioners need to to weigh in on that um, but the boundary as proposed uh, extends out includes the entire city limits and extends out into unincorporated areas of the county around that it does not include well for example it goes up to the west into the foothills but it does not include netherland netherland has its own library district it expands out to the south and east uh up to but not including uh superior and Louisville. Louisville has its own library system and superior has an arrangement with Louisville for its residents to use that library system El, uh, el dorado springs uh, El Dorado Springs is is included, um, as I, I think, in the current map. And then uh, going out northeast uh, to take in not only the part of Gun Barrel that's already in the city, but the unincorporated parts of Gun Barrel and extending up to Niwot uh, and including Niwot in nice. that. So uh, it's, we had some analysis of library usage showing that uh, about a third of the Boulder Library patrons are folks who live in these uh, nearby but outside the city limits parts of the county. And so there's an argument to be made to uh, include them in the funding of the library district. Uh, but the, the district boundaries aren't totally uh, locked down yet. And there's also some, I think, uh, uh, understandable concern that uh, for folks who lost their homes in the Marshall Fire and whose property was included in the proposed boundaries of the district that we need to find a way potentially to address, at least on the short term, um, the impact to, to those folks. As I said before, the actual uh, town of Superior and town of Louisville were not included in the district, but we know that the fire impacted some folks who were in unincorporated parts of the county as well. And so there's a, a need to look at whether there's some grants or some other way to provide some near-term property tax relief for the homeowners who are impacted by the Marshall Fire who are also in the boundaries of this proposed district, if you follow yeah. me. Yeah, totally. That makes that makes sense. So and then the, uh, you know, the other part, I just to conclude the thought on kind of unresolved issues, I think there's mm -hmm. this whole other part of the of the process that is the money that would be freed up in the city of Boulder's general fund budget. You know, if if a library district is created and then becomes an independently funded entity of its own, there's nine or 10 million bucks uh, in the general fund that had been going to the libraries that is now uh, available for other uses. So that was the other thing that council talked about um, in their study session in early February was, uh, 
a public process for prioritizing uh, in a general way where that money might be redistributed. Yeah, so, okay, so the, the library district is, I mean, kind of the main thing, right, is a new tax for a, 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 a new boundary district, you know, on some map somewhere. Um, yeah. What's what's the target revenue that that uh, you want that, that that they want to collect? And um, uh, I, I assume it's it's just a it's just a property tax that's tagged. Yeah, on to, it's a property tax of up to I think it's three point eight mils, which uh, equates to I think somewhere between nineteen and twenty million dollars. Yeah, I see you waving your hands. People always wave their hands when when, uh, <laughs> yes. when someone says tax well, bills, I, I, whatever I that be, means. <laughs> yeah. Um, depending on I think the assessed values at the time and whether that mill is three point eight or three point seven, but the target is to generate nineteen to twenty million dollars from that property tax increase, and that that amounts to roughly $200 a year extra for a home uh, valued at uh, $850,000 within the city limits of Boulder. So you can, you can do the math on, you know, what your, on your home's assessed value and, you know, what your home is worth. And based on that metric, I just gave of, of about 200 bucks a year for a home worth uh, 850000 Is that, is that uh, sorry to ask such a basic question, but um, is that just for residential properties? And would that include like a, apartment buildings? And It does, yeah, it, no, it includes uh, commercial property as well. Um, okay. the, uh, the changes in the, uh, of, uh, boy, we probably don't want to go here, but uh, you know, the Gallagher <laughs> I mean, yeah. Amendment, yeah which yeah. fixed the ratio of commercial to residential property taxes right. and voters right. undid that uh, in the last recent election. So that's gonna create some, I think, property tax uh, relief for businesses, but they, you know, they would be, their taxes would, their property tax would uh, go up within the library district as well. And of course, if you're a renter, you're, you know, the, whoever owns, the space you're renting uh, would have a property tax increase, and and that's probably passed on to you as the tenant. So, you know, everybody pays one way or another. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, um, so just to be clear, you you were saying a minute ago that this would free up nine to ten million dollars of revenue for the city, and and the library district's going to raise nineteen to twenty million dollars. So that's a that's a big bump in and budget for the library, which is, that sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. And it is great. And, and I, one thing I haven't said yet is there's two or 3 million in deferred maintenance uh, that's been building up at the libraries uh, over the years, as there just hasn't been money in the city budget to maintain the facilities at an appropriate level. And it's not that anything is unsafe, but there's, you know, the things that you should be doing to maintain your buildings that you defer because you don't have the money to do it. So there's two or three million in deferred maintenance. This library district and this budget of 19 to 20 million would enable the library to address those needs, as well as, as I said before, fully fund the existing main library and the Reynolds and Meadows branches and well, the Carnegie probably branch. ramp up some of the staffing, which has been yeah, under, get under the staff, staff for a long yeah. time. And this is, uh, and of course, the North Boulder Community Center Branch Library, the Satellite Library and Gun Barrel, all that becomes possible uh, with, yeah, what would be a significant funding increase, but it's, it's a, a necessary one, in my view, in the view of the folks who have studied the issue. You know, a lot of people started looking at this district issue very skeptical, but once you once you look into it, once you see that how well it works in other parts of the state and the country, and uh, you know, once you do the math, you see that it really, it really is the sustainable way to ensure uh, a great future for for our libraries. I mean, I really believe that, Philip, and I think anybody who has studied it sees that it's a better model. Now, folks who are skeptical will will perhaps say, "Well, we can." 
you know, fight for more general fund dollars in the city budget. And, and we can do that. And the city council has at times, you know, recognized that the library got the short end of the stick in the last budget cycle and boosted it back up somewhat, but it's never been fully funded really at, oh. <laughs> at, for 20 years. And of course the next recession uh, when sales tax revenues take a dive again, that the library is going to have to take. There's also an aspect of it of like um, the city council has a, has a lot to work on. We uh, have declared a, a climate emergency and we have a housing crisis and uh, uh, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that, you know, transportation, there's all kinds of things they need to be focusing on. So it'd be kind of be nice to just take that off their plate and say, Hey, this thing is going to be, on autopilot from your perspective on a sustainably financially solvent model. I think that that makes, that's awesome. The other, yeah. And I just, to, to say the other, you know, I think uh, issue that has some people uh, maybe holding back from their support is, uh, is what happens to these buildings. You know, those are, uh, those are ours, quote unquote. Well, it depends on what you mean by ours. You mean like property of the city of Boulder or ours as community residents and taxpayers. Um, so, so can I just clarify, you mean like the actual ownership of a, of, of like the, the, the downtown branch, yeah, yeah. It, could, it, could, it could transfer ownership to the library district instead of the city currently owns it. That that's absolutely right. So, and oh, how do interesting. You, how do you convey those buildings to the library district, um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, you could give them say, okay, this is your property now, library district. Uh, you could also do a, a long-term lease, you know, uh, for a nominal amount. You could even, you know, for a buck a year, but they're, they're technically being leased from the city to the library district. It's a detail that, that can be worked out. Um, yeah. But, I mean, to me, it just seems like a kind of a technical detail, but, but is there actually like a, uh, are, are people actually upset about this? Well, I think that was that's one of the questions that was originally raised by people who were skeptical. And it's part of, I think, a broader reluctance on the part of some to uh, to give up control. I mean, I think that's kind of ultimately where some of the opposition that I have heard and read. Uh, you never you never give away pieces of your kingdom, you know, if you're yeah, a... Yeah. If you're in charge, I suppose. And and I think the status quo is one of the most powerful forces in politics. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 So uh, so you have to overcome that. And uh, I, what I say to people is, well, you know, we're not. Uh, what do you mean when you say giving up control? Does that mean uh, perhaps you as a member of city council have less control? Uh, does it mean that you think that by creating a library district, the people of Boulder and unincorporated Boulder County somehow won't have control because they will, you know, and the, the governance model is these appointed trustees. The city still has a role in that because they're the ones who appoint the trustees. Uh, any tax increase, of course, is has to be put before the voters in the impacted area, in this case, the library district. So there's a high oh. degree of, of, of citizen resident control and um and there's a you know i think a pretty clear chain of how that control is is realized so i i think it's so that's a that's a detail worth worth uh just um amplifying a little bit is is uh this is this if, if all goes well according to the what's the organization called library champions yeah it's the boulder library champions Boulder library champions um if if they can put this all together, it's, it's going to be on the ballot and we'll vote for it in November. Is, yeah. Is that right? Yes. The, um, the, the city and the County need to, uh, they're moving towards, I think, creating a library district by joint resolution, meaning majority of city council does that with, uh, the support of the so, county commissioners. So, and so that then, means no, no petition drive. Is that right. kind of a, yeah, that's right. Um, we, the library champions had started one uh, pre-pandemic and we were prepared to go that route if we had to, but fortunately we have a, a terrific support from the current city council, very strong support. And, and I'm personally grateful for that. 
Uh, so that means uh, if the district is created by a resolution, then the uh, really the question put to the voters is, do you support that and do you approve raising your property taxes to to, to fund it? So uh, you said that city council is, is supportive. Uh, do you think they would vote nine to zero on this or, or, or are there any um, detractors? I think based, well, uh, I haven't spoken directly to any city council member based, this is based on my uh, viewing of the study session uh, in early February. Uh, it seemed like uh, the majority of the council was supportive. Uh, council member Bob Yates has been a, a pretty consistent critic of the idea. So uh, I'm not sure that uh, Bob Yates would vote in favor of that. Um, Council member Mark Wallach uh, seemed pretty skeptical during this study session. Uh, I'm not sure of his support one way or the other. And I don't yeah, I guess I guess unless they vote them. or they, they come out and say they're going to vote one way or another. I mean, they're supposed to be skeptical in a study session, I suppose, perhaps. Yeah, I would say so. And that's not to say that the supportive ones weren't skeptical as well. They, I mean, yeah. they ask good questions that trying to better understand it. But I feel based on uh, the fact that the library champions quizzed the candidates before the last election, and then my viewing of the study session the other night, you've got most council members that's in great. favor and a couple that, uh, that may not be uh, in favor. Well, I, I want to circle back on, you, you mentioned a couple things that uh, that detractors might um, talk about. There's there's the, the, the transfer of the buildings, there's increased taxes. Um, I, I kind of assume that Boulder County and Boulder City property taxes aren't spectacularly high to begin with. Uh, but of course, anytime you raise property taxes or any taxes, there's always people upset about that. Um, but are there other are there other issues like uh, ar arguments against the library district that, you know, an informed voter ought to I, know about? Yeah, I think really, um, I think we've really covered the, um, the primary ones, which are, you know, it's, uh, it is a property tax increase. And so that has a financial impact. Uh, and then uh, people worry, I think, in my view, unnecessarily about somehow giving up control uh, from the city perspective. Um, but hopefully we've talked folks through that with the uh, explanation of the governance of board of trustees appointed by the city. Uh, and uh, I think in, in some ways that's a more direct accountability because right now the, you know, the, the library, like every entity within the city of Boulder, the, the buck stops with the city council. Here you'll have an independent body, these trustees of the library district who uh, will be your direct connection to the governance of the library system. Uh, those are, you know, those are really the, the primary, uh, you know, uh, opposition concerns that I've heard, Philip. Okay. Well, it, I mean, it sounds like a slam dunk to me. I really hope that, uh, that the, the, whatever planning needs to go into getting this on the ballot for November uh, all, all unfolds smoothly. It's, it's, it just seems like uh, such a great way to um, bolster up this institution that we really love and care about. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, this is, I don't know if this is necessarily an, uh, an opponent's argument, but the, the final thing I would address is um, we have a really good library system now. And so, people would ask, well, why do we need to tax ourselves oh, sure. and make this change? Um, and we have a really good library system because we have uh, an incredibly hardworking library staff uh, that has gone, I think, above and beyond during the pandemic, as many people have, uh, to keep the service going um, the best possible level. Um, but as we've talked about, they're really stretched. There, there isn't the level of staffing that there was 20 years ago when you look at budget and FTE, and certainly when you look at demand for service, which has steadily increased. But, but I, I, I recognize that the library is doing a really good job with less resources and increased demand. Um, I, I don't. So I have, a, I have a kind of 
question coming in from the other side is sort of like, well, why why is it taking us so long to to get to here where we're thinking about a library district if all these other um, dis library districts exist and they've been successful? What's what's going on in Boulder that that we're slow to this game? Well, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's partly that library, the people who love libraries and want to advocate for them are are introverts. Uh, I, that's definitely me. And, uh, you know, it get, putting ourselves out there and being vocal uh, is... They're less uh, likely to be billionaires, perhaps? Well, 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 there, yeah, well there's that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's, certainly there's that, but also just um, maybe partly the personalities of the people yeah. who really love libraries. I think also it's just that, um, you know, when I was on the library commission, we, uh, at least a couple of library commissioners, myself included, advocated for a district. I I know it was talked about before that, um, probably going back as far as the 1990s, but it competes um, with many other priorities, obviously in this for people's time and attention and funds. Uh, I think a couple of things that really moved it forward in recent years is the, um, the hiring of David Farnan as the library director. He's been on the job, I think for eight years now. And I believe that part of his, his work plan when he was hired was to um, look into the library district option. So I, I, I credit the city for um, putting that on his plate at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that has helped. We have a, you know, a strong and creative leader who has been uh, an advocate for uh, this as a possibility for our library system. And, um, and then we had a, a library commission that um, really took the lead on it. Uh, Johnny Teeter, who's now a former library commissioner, Juana Gomez, members of the commission who saw that the district was really the way to go and, uh, and got people organized. Um, so I guess if you really wanted to geek out on this, you could go read their report on- Yes. Oh yeah, I, I definitely see. Yeah. You can search on Boulder Library Champions and okay. you'll get to our website. There's tons of information i encourage people to yeah so that's up. my next question is uh how, how how can you help you know yeah what can, what can someone like me do thanks for asking um i would say go to library champions uh sign up to receive the newsletter uh add your name to the list of endorsers and then there'll be um there'll be opportunities certainly there's opportunities to give money to help the campaign and there also will be opportunities to volunteer as we plan to spend the summer and the fall uh, doing as much outreach as we possibly can do to educate people about the benefits of the district in advance of the uh, November vote. Awesome. Well, uh, th this is all very exciting to me. And um, uh, thank you so much for coming on onto the podcast. Um, do you have do you have any uh, any parting thoughts you want to? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just, you know, I really with. hope people will educate themselves about it, reach out if they want more information, if they're skeptical, because I, you know, I, I've lived in Boulder, as I said, for over 30 years now. And I think um, at our best, you know, we are, uh, we're a compassionate city. We, we value the idea of making public resources, education resource, cultural resources, meeting space resources, free and available to all, even people who can't afford them otherwise. Um, we, are, we can be very compassionate in that way. We are a, a city that values innovation. And I would point you directly to uh, Building 61, the makerspace, where I'm told uh, at least a dozen patents have come out of that space where we have you know, these entrepreneurial types who are developing an idea, developing a business, they need a prototype, perhaps, they can't necessarily invest in all the equipment required to manufacture that, they can use the makerspace. So uh, as a city that values innovation, I think this library district model is the way to go as a, you know, as a city that, uh, that thinks ahead uh, at our best, we have a, I think a once in a generation opportunity to create uh, a sustainable and thriving library system uh, for now and for, for decades to come and beyond through this library district. So it's a way of, I think, thinking ahead and investing in, uh, in the future of Boulder. And I think also uh, 
at our best. Again, uh, Boulder is a, a city that you know looks at uh, bottom line return on investment, and I think uh, you know I know that that's sometimes a way that even including me, people are get skeptical about thinking of it in terms of the language of you know investment yeah, increased gdp yeah. or something like that right yeah. right and it's but it's it's really about investing in the people in our community and yeah. giving them an opportunity uh to to be together to educate themselves to uh meet folks they wouldn't otherwise necessarily meet uh to enrich the fabric of the community to help uh entrepreneurial innovative business folks with the makerspace as well as the many uh, resources available for um, people who need to put together a resume, need to research different aspects of of their their work. Um, it really speaks to, I think, a, a strong return on investment as well. Yeah. So you know, for I mean, and then finally, uh, if if we really think we're one of the small, one of the great small cities in this country, um, and we make some lists, and I think we're very proud. Uh, in some cases, very justifiably proud of of our city. But if we are really going to be one of the great small cities in this country, we need a great library system Absolutely. for everybody. Yeah, definitely. So that would be, I guess, what I just say to to wrap up. And you know, thanks again for for giving me the yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I I'm really motivated by. Uh, understanding what what this whole proposal is and uh, i'm really thankful that there's people like you in the world doing this doing this hard work and it was it was uh interesting to find out about the the library director what's his name again david farnan okay david farnan and uh so yeah just you know i'm i'm just it, it makes me happy when when you realize that there's lots of people doing good work and um i really um really hope that you have success with this uh campaign and these these plans. So thank you so much. Yeah, and thank you for the opportunity. And again, what you're doing for the community, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Okay, thanks thanks so much, Sam. This episode of Sharing Boulder was produced by David Adamson and Philip Ogren. Sound and video editing was done by Philip Ogren. The intro music was sampled from Osladum by Gilberto Gill and is available for use under the Creative Commons Sampling Plus license. Please visit us at sharingboulder.us for show notes and previous episodes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please support us by sharing this episode with your friends and family. Keep sharing, Boulder.